Welcome to the Symbolic Lodge of Conversation, where consciousness and curiosity interweave into discussion. This is All Square Podcast. I'm your host, R.L. Franks, and today's guest is going to take us out of this world through his journey through masonry. He's info security by day and investigator in truth by night. He is the host of UFOs on the Level, Mr. John Majorowski. John, how are you doing today? Good to see you, brother. Awesome. Brother, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's been awesome. Yeah. So, John, a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, let's see. Like you said, I do information security for a living, right? So, InfoSec. Um, I'm an analyst. And then by night, I guess I am, you know, looking for the truth in, um, I guess you want to say esoterica or consciousness, probably, which ties into ufology if that's what you want to call it and uh the study of the unknown basically okay now you've been featured in many other podcast shows as well as in magazines about your interest into the supernatural into the ufo lore yeah, yeah. but what started first your your interest into the ufology or your journey into freemasonry well, obviously, ufology was always first. I mean, I, as a kid, I've always said it in a lot of these podcasts. I'm probably rehashing it all. But, you know, my dad saw UFO when he was like 17 or 18 in the 50s. And another one, kind of a mass sighting in the 60s, something like that. And um, so I always grew up thinking it was real. Like, at the time, the stigma was huge. And if you saw that stuff, you're crazy, right? But my dad was into it. So I was like, yeah, it's real. Why would he lie? Wow. Ooh. So I just grew up doing that. I studied it, researched it, ever, like... I remember being five or six when I, you know, got into it a little bit. Now getting into it, what does that mean? Just looking at the sky at night? Well, yeah. I mean, from, you know, the stories dad told me. And then um, back then there was, there was, there's a few magazines, you know, there was like uh, newsletters you could subscribe to and they would mail it to you, you know, snail mail. And then there was like late 80s, early 90s, there was a thing called UFO TV where the, it was like a mail order VHS club where you could send 20 bucks and then you get a, VHS tape of somebody talking about UFOs or maybe videos of UFOs. And then, you know, back then late eighties unsolved mysteries came out and some of the other shows were on TV and started picking up. So it was always following it, you know, getting into books, things like that. Every, everybody that, you know, kind of researched it and just followed along with it and never really stopped. I mean, I never really got into sports. I never got into, um, I mean, I boxed, but not team sports, you know, so kind of treated it as my hobby all the time just to kind of keep up with it and, it's fun. Yeah. Now, Circa, where was this time at? Here in Toledo, Ohio, Northwest Ohio? Uh, my dad's sighting, yeah. Yeah, two sightings in Northwest Ohio. Um, like I said, probably the late 50s, and the other one was uh, probably late 60s, early 70s. So, okay, ships, you know, one was broad daylight sighting, a big scar-shaped cylindrical object during the day. And the other one was a disc over the house reflecting the lights off the streets um, that he saw. And the neighbors all came out, and they're all watching it together. So, it's like... Why would you make that up? There was a concerned program that was, um, it was a Condon report and there was a couple other programs that the government ran that they declassified in the recent years that basically said that we can't get a handle on this stuff. So what we're going to do is we're going to ostracize everybody and make them think they're crazy. Just say that if you see UFOs, tinfoil hat, right? Like so that nobody wanted to talk about it because you were just put into the label of being nuts. So putting your label, being that label on you, not you, but the people in general who were right. going through that, is that where like the men in black sightings started coming in? Is that like government agencies? Well, not necessarily. So um, a lot of it was due to, to media ridicule and things like that. So a lot of it, they had deals the CIA had worked out um, and they still do um, 
deals with the major media to be able to bury stories or just, you know, they'll play some crazy music and say, Oh, you know, some 500 people saw something in the sky that, you know, and just kind of ostracize people and make them feel like they're crazy. It's, it was part of the disinformation campaign to get around with it. The men in black, um, interestingly enough are, um, before it was the Will Smith movie, it was an actual, and it's still pretty scary for some people to have these experiences with these people that show up, they're in black suits, they're in black cars that are late bottle cars, like cars that you don't normally see on the road. They're wearing fedoras. They don't, their speech their, uh, is, is more robotic. Their mannerisms are more robotic. They, they're very threatening. Um, and they're looking for evidence or basically to, to quiet you, to, to shut you up from saying anything. Um, and it was just like an intimidation factor. So there's a billion different theories. And if they're real, if they're robots, if they're some agency, you know, a, a private company that's working for the government to to these things. But um, there's never really been a definitive answer to the whole men in black thing. And then of course, you know, the, the, the Will Smith movie is what everybody believes that. Of course, the yeah, funny, corny the funny, aliens. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, but it, but it's in the lexicon of you know public knowledge now, right? The Men in Black, of course. Right? Yeah, um, nothing's more prevalent than the Mothman sightings in West Virginia, right? Right, right. So that's a good point. You know, I, I got into this, and you know, there's a lot of people that are just focused on UFOs, or a lot of people that focus on like cryptids, or you know, um, Bigfoot, or you know, or ghosts, or things like that, right? But throughout all, all of my research, I've kind of established that there's a, a pattern where all of these things happen simultaneously. You'll have a massive spike in a Bigfoot, a Bigfoot sighting, for example, that co correlates with a UFO sighting or a ghost, you know, hauntings. There's like mass hauntings in different places and things like that. And it seems to all correlate exactly around the same time in the same kind of areas. So it's interesting. It's not one and the other, but the, the odd part about all that is the people that are like, you know, the UFO people don't talk to the Bigfoot people who don't talk to the ghost people. Right. So there's no interplay. There's no interconnection to any of that. So they're just, you know, kind of disparate. Right. Well, and recently it's been getting, there's been getting some traction where the people are noticing the patterns basically to see that these are huge, right. It's a huge correlation between all these things. So it's not just lights in the sky. It's not just creatures that we can't identify Mothman. It's, um, it all relates to consciousness. Interesting. Very interesting. Now taking a step back from this, you grew up in Northwest Ohio, correct? Yeah, grew up in the south side of Toledo. South yeah. side, just like I did. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> south and Broadway. All right, there you go. There you go. Yeah. But growing up in Northwest Ohio, having this interest in UFOs and coming to into the journey at what age in Freemasonry? Um, I was 28, 27 or 28 at the time. And... um. I was the youngest guy, I think, on my district at the time. Which district? Um, so the uh, fifth, right? Yeah. Fabulous fifth. Mm -hmm. So Delta, Fulton Lodge. And um, it was very interesting to me. I had a guy um, under a restaurant at the time in Swanton called the Ugly Duckling. That was fun. I was, you know, young. And, um, there was a guy, Roger Schindler's awesome. He would come in every day. And I had free Wi-Fi. So back in like 2008, it was a big deal, right? <laughs> I remember paying for it back at Starbucks back in the day, believe it or not, kids. Yeah. I remember, yeah. Believe it or not, Wi-Fi wasn't always free. So <laughs> cherish it. Yeah. We uh, we we had free Wi-Fi and he would come in every day and day trade. He would have lunch and day trade. It was a laptop. And, you know, he was just a great guy. And I noticed his ring one day, you know, and he had a double legal ring, a Scottish Rite ring. And I said, are you a Mason? He said, yeah. 
And I said, well, what's it about? He's like, ah, oh, it was great. And he just told me how awesome it was and how the, the people that he met and, you know, the, the cool experiences he's had with the fraternity. And he said, I think that you'd really enjoy it. And I said, really? He said, yeah. I'm like, all right. Well, I've really, my only experience um, with the fraternity at that point, but any, anybody in my family that I know of are Masons. Um, and it was just basically through reading books. So, and I read a lot of <laughs> Jim Mars books at the time. Right. <laughs> so, and a lot of books that were really well researched, but, you know, painted masonry in a light that I haven't personally found to be as truthful. You know, we're not the Illuminati. We're not out trying to, you know, uh, take over the world. We're not doing ritual sacrifices or any of this crazy stuff that you see on the internet, you know, but when I got into it, um, that was kind of what I was looking at. I was like, well, maybe this, that's what it really is. I'm like, maybe this is what it is. And that's why nobody wants to talk about it. So I joined under the tension of like, man, I'm going to figure this out. Like if it's a mystery and of course I like mysteries, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out what this is and like, you know, bust it wide open. Right. And of course it was nothing like anything that I've read. And, and, um, but why is that? Why is it that sometimes in the pop culture or online that masonry is paid in a negative light? In your opinion, well, I think it's just the same way when you look at anything that's mysterious, right? If if um, people don't know, and it's and it's and also goes back to the whole everybody's afraid of things they don't understand. You know, if you if you if you don't understand it or don't know what it is, you're afraid of it, and I think it's almost a coping mechanism in a way. It's almost like a um, uh, you know, defense mechanism to be like, oh, you know, if we don't know what it is, it must be bad, right? If they don't want to tell us what it is in secret, then it has to be horrible. And, and then you just add upon it, right? Like it's, you know, it's a billion different things, right? Yeah. You stay in your box, stay in your God box. Don't right. question what's out there. You're safe in here. Right. That's pretty much it, you know? And then it's part of, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, since I'm not part of the club, then, it, you know, I'm just going to. I don't know if it's jealousy or envy or whatever else, but you know, I guess from my perspective, personal perspective, I just thought that it was a powerful, um, you know, group of, of men that were actually controlling the world when you look at it. But if you look at it, you know, 14 different, you know, 14 presidents, you have all these different heads of state all over the countries, you know, it's embedded in the community, in, in the roads, like in Washington, D.C. Right. right Sandusky, right. Ohio is another big one. Check yeah. that out. Yeah. You know, like George George Washington, obviously, was a famous Mason. So it's like the founding of our country. So it's like, well, yeah, maybe. Um, but I honestly personally think the conspiracy is that all these men were trying to make the world better for everyone. Like That's like the thing. Everybody gets tied up in, uh, you know, they're trying to control us and all these things. But I honestly think the conspiracy is... They're charged with making their entire world a better place all the time, wherever they can. Right. So you meet this guy at the Ugly Duckling yep. Cafe restaurant. It's a restaurant. Yep. Restaurant at yep. the time. Yep. You start asking him questions. What happens next? How did you get involved? So I asked him. I said, "How how do we become a member?" Right. He's like, "Well, I can get you a petition." Right. Cool. So he's like, "I'll vouch for you," and you know, I get two other guys to vouch for you. And then he told me, you know, basically we're gonna have three guys that are gonna show up. And they're going to ask you a bunch of questions. You can ask them whatever you want at the same time. And I'm like, oh, this is where it's going to get. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get to ask him any questions, really? He's like, yeah, any question you want. I'm like, well, I got a list. So um, it was a great, um, it was great. They came out, had dinner. And we sat down and we just talked about anything. You know, I, I asked him, you know, all the, they kind of dispelled a lot of the rumors like we were just talking about, you know, like, you know, what are you doing? You know, are you guys really running the world? And, you know, it was just kind of funny. 
yeah, of course. To, to hear the, the perspective because they heard it too. You know, the, some of those guys are forty year Masons at the time. You know, so that was two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah, some seven eight somewhere around in there. Right? So, you, so you get into this. What's your first thoughts when you're getting into Masonry? Going through those steps of what you can talk about. Um, so you know, obviously, I was excited and nervous, right? Um, but after I went through my first degree, and I know this can maybe cliche or sound corny, but I felt like I was back, like I was home, like. When I went through the degrees, there's a certain certain part of the degrees where somebody's answering for you, and then you're you know you're not supposed to know the answers, right? Sure. You have a prompt that somebody's telling you for you, and but I knew the answers, and nobody told me not to say anything out loud, so I was actually <laughs> saying the things out loud, you know, and I was hitting them correct, um, which felt, was interesting. It felt know? natural. It did exactly, and I felt like, it, and I've said this before, I felt like I was home. You know, after I went through the first degree, I'm like, oh, wow. Or I'd been, or I was back or something like, you know, the group of guys I was with, the, the lodge, like everything, it just felt really comfortable. Like it's something I had been missing. It was almost like, you know, like a, like a, like an old pillow or something. <laughs> exactly. I get it. So you're yeah. meeting these brothers, yeah. all walks of life. All walks of life. I mean, you, that's the, the best part of masonry. You could be sitting next to the senator uh, on your right hand side and the left hand side, you could be sitting next to this, uh, you know, salesman or, or, you know, the teacher from the high school, right. Or, you know, the governor is right there or whatever, but everybody's on the level. Right. So everybody's treats each other exactly the same. There's you know, nobody better than anybody else. And, um, I thought it was great, especially for being as young as I was. I mean, I'm fortunate to still have my parents, you know, my dad's older and, um, you know, to have that, but to just to have that, um, ability to, to, to speak to somebody who's been through where you're at in your life at some point, just have, and they're, you know, awesome to share their experiences and their, what, what they've dealt with in life and how they've dealt with it, you know, and, and they're always there to, for like, uh, you know, reassurance and advice. And that was amazing, you know, and I, I could see what people that, you know, maybe lost their parents or don't have that male, you know, um, structure it's that mentorship right exactly that's the word right yeah right, totally because it's like you got all these different brothers now right and all these different uncles and fathers and grandfather <laughs> figures yeah, you know what right. i mean and yeah, it's like exactly. being a part of that i've talked about this on other episodes being a part of that tribe right yeah yeah of course of course and um that was great that's great it's a sense of community belonging you know of course yeah so that's what i love about it totally yeah. so you're in this you still have your your interest, not obsession, interest, <laughs> <laughs> interest into UFOs. Right, yeah. Has it, you know, on your journey to masonry and the UFOs, has, has those kind of like intertwined with each other during this? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, once I got through the, the first three degrees, you know, and I had the opportunity to move, you know, into the other branches of masonry because I was always learning, you know, I'm always the one that's digging out the books, right. And in the bookcase and dusting them off and I'm learning and asking questions and, you know, trying to put connections together. And, you know, I, I joined the York, right. Mm -hmm. You remember it as well. And, you know, that was a great experience because it ties more closely to the biblical side of things that, you know, I'm not giving away any secrets, but I mean, that's kind of the path that goes down. So Christian masonry. Christian masonry. So that was sure. pretty cool to, to go down that path. You know, I was raised Catholic. So um, it was it was interesting to go down that path. And then the Scottish Rite. I joined the Scottish Rite, which is, you know, the other branch, that, which is awesome because there's more allegory and, you know, um, other degrees that are, you know, more life lessons and, and things that are learned. So there was always some more study and research in there. And and I met you. Right. <laughs> you can talk about that. That was an interesting yeah. way the universe intercrossed with each other. Yeah. I met you when yeah. I became, 
uh, a Scottish Rite Mason and a Shriner on the same day. It was a special event that we had a, uh, an event that was the, it was the uh, parade for downtown Toledo. It was the same day as the Toledo holiday parade. It's cold as hell that day. It was really It was cold. so cold as yeah, hell that yeah, day. It was like negative 15 or yeah. something. Yeah. One of our good friends, uh, Brother Irving, was a part of that as well. Yeah. And yeah. He, then we just met each other because I was helping out with the event. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like kindred, um, kindred flames just reuniting <laughs> <laughs> with each other. We're like, oh, you like this? I like this. Yeah, yeah. But that's cool. I mean, that's what's awesome. Like, we yeah. might have had the opportunity of never meeting. Right. Of course. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, when are you going to have the ability to sit next, like I said, like next to your congressman and then the janitor from your high school? Exactly. You know, and then still learn amazing things from both of them, you know, and then be able to share uh, with both of them. So, that, I mean, that, that's that been amazing. And then after meeting you, you know, I got invited to uh, another group that both of us are a member of. What group is that? That's a group called the SRICF. It's, it's not a very uh, well-publicized group, but... It's a group where um, the esoteric side of things is investigated um, more freely, I would say. Philosophies. Philosophies, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the kind of part I was always into. Where does this, like you asked, when, where does this tie in? And I thought this has to tie in in some way. Just going through all the allegory that, you know, the um, the, the connections to the mystery schools and, and everything that masonry has, right? Like, where does this tie into the UFO mystery? How does this do that? And, you know, one of my personal journeys through this was, you know, I created my podcast and, you know, I was encouraged by a couple of the people that, um, were on UFO Twitter that were just like, dude, you should do this. I don't see any other Freemasons out here talking about UFOs. Like you shouldn't do it. And I'm, you know, all the brothers at least uh, put up with me cause I'm always rattling off about it all the time. Right. That's not really like, I mean, I'm not going to say anything, but you definitely spark my curiosity. Every time you talk about something, the lady in white, the UFOs, Tom DeLong, which before we just dive headfirst into that podcast and how it comes about and what has come about with it being in existence, you said books yeah. interest you. Yeah. And well, there was a special book with Tom DeLong that really sparked your curiosity. Was this before or after, or after masonry? So it was after masonry, believe it or not. So I was I was a mason already. Um, and in 2015, Tom DeLong's the singer for Blink-182, if anybody doesn't know who he is, um, Basically quit his band. It was, they were touring, you know, a multi-platinum band, making millions of dollars. And he's like, I'm done. I'm quitting it. I'm going to dedicate my life to UFOs. And everybody thought he was just out of his mind. Same thing, right? The stigma was there. Um, and he started um, writing books with a couple of Peter Lavinda. Interestingly enough, um, uh, WikiLeaks published, everybody thought he was obviously crazy, right? What's Tom Long talking about UFOs? He was actually, um, all the things that he was saying in these podcasts became true because uh, WikiLeaks published all the email correspondence he had with John Podesta, who was the campaign manager for Hillary Clinton at the time. So Tom DeLong did say he had all these high-level connections with the military, the government, and was talking about UFOs, and that came out in these leaked emails. How did you think that came about? You've talked about how we, like, in off off uh, camera you've talked about like how he went to somebody asked for it they said you need to have this clearance and all this and he came back talk a little bit about that um so one of the things was um his story the, the way the story goes is that um lockheed martin was having their first ever um 
bring your family to work picnic day because it's so secretive, right? You can't, I mean, you have to have all kinds of clearance. You just can't walk in Upside there. down pineapple cake and cucumber sandwiches. I get it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's in the parking lot. They wouldn't even let him have it in the building, right? That's sure. Right. Yeah, so they asked him to like uh, introduce the um, CEO and he's like, fine, if I could have 10 minutes alone with him. And they're like, okay. So basically his pitch was like, I want to help. You guys have been screwing this up for a really long time. I want to change the narrative. I want to like help shape the story to, to so that you guys aren't the bad guys anymore. Everybody thinks that you, you know, you lie, you, you kill people to cover this up. You know, you, you do all these things. I want to change the perspective so that people really have a good understanding and know what you've done to help humanity. Right. And the guy was like, okay, <laughs> so that's, that's the way the story goes. Right. So then he had a group of advisors, but I think what you're getting at is, when in 2018, the New York Times broke the massive story that we all know about those three videos that the, the Pentagon, the government came out and said, yeah, these are real. Um, and, you know, Tom DeLonge's company to the stars had, was a huge hand in that. They were the ones that basically had to happen. But they had a, a to the stars when they basically announced this company. It was former intelligence officials, people that ran the program, um, one of the lead designers from Lockheed Skunk Works and um, Christopher Mellon, which was a... Um, the, Deputy Under Secretary of Defense for two different presidents, right? They're all sitting on stage and they came together. And I will, the, as soon as I saw everybody sitting on stage, completely despair, like we we're just talking about, you know, the senator and the janitor, right? It's like none of these guys would be up there together unless they had something in common. And I realized that Tom DeLong is a Freemason. Tom DeLong, Freemason. You have that confirmed by certain sources that we know are true. We actually know. Um, and didn't you mention that in a presentation? I didn't. I don't want to out. Who of actually, course not. Of yeah, course not. Because right, he's right. a brother. Yep. yep. And um, you can put two and two together if you look at that picture of him. <laughs> yeah. I think any Mason can put two and two together and be like, oh, he's a member. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we actually had it confirmed. You know, it wasn't a Photoshop job or anything, right? It was yeah. actually confirmed on the record that he was made a, a member uh, of a fraternity, right? Of course. So it was, it was funny now that I look back like during the time. So after he became a Mason, you can kind of figure out when the dates were. He started wearing um, square encompasses on his lapels. He started um, the inlays in his guitars were all square encompasses, like square encompass stickers all over his guitars at that time. Um, he kind of side project from Blink-22 and it was Angels and Airwaves is the name of that band. And like the logo is, is basically a square encompass. <laughs> so, and I'm looking at that and I'm going, well, maybe – Maybe Tom figured it out. Maybe he, you know, met people that were Masons, just like, like I said, you do meet brothers that you wouldn't nor normally be in contact with. Right. Right. And then said, Hey, I want to do this. And there's, and they were on board. They're like, cool, let's do it. Yeah. And, and I, and I, and I haven't had any of this confirmed. This has just been my pet theory to try to figure this out. We but. definitely have it confirmed though, from a reliable sources, we're not going to out yeah. that Tom DeLong is a Mason Yes. yes, yes. But what was interesting, too, around all that time when that came on, I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. I, I know you right. listen to Joe Rogan. And yeah. wasn't it Christopher Mellon was on there? Yeah. And it was just not to say anything or give anything away, but any Mason worth their salt who knows how conversations are, there were certain phrases that I was hearing in that conversation that was like, this guy's a Mason. <laughs> You're right. Um, there was some, some very interesting, uh, phrases that he used in that Joe Rogan podcast that I actually clipped, you know, I put those on my YouTube channel too. Um, but, uh, you know, I know his cousin, I know Christopher Mellon's cousin, John Warner, the fourth. And, um, 
uh, you know, John was like, yeah, I'm sure probably, but he, you know, it wasn't confirmed because John's not a Mason, but he's like, oh, probably, of course, you know, it's the family, you know, the Mellon family. So I, I don't know. I, I haven't confirmed that at all, but it still goes with my theory. And at the same time, I, I kind of understand, you know, I've looked at it from both sides, you know, while, while I do want to jump it up, up and down and be like, yes, Freemasons are doing this, but it's just going to add another whole pile of right. people to be like, oh, it's the Illuminati again. They're running all this stuff, you know, they're, you know, this disinformation and all that stuff. So it's like, I can understand why they're being somewhat, somewhat secretive about masonry because of the connotation, right? It's the same thing that they did to ufology, right? It's it's just the, the stigma that goes along with it. You never mentioned the book that you read. What was the name of that book in case oh, anybody Secret wants- Machines, yeah. Tom DeLonge is a series. Uh, it's called Secret Machines, Secret with a K. And uh, it's uh, co-written by um, Peter Lavinda, who's an esoteric author. He's written a lot of books. He actually wrote the uh, Necronomicon, I think. It was, you know, it was, he was the pseudo-author and- uh, you know, it was finally, I think, last Wait, year. Necromomicon, isn't that the thing from H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, the yeah, book? well, it was, I, I can't remember if that's the exact book, but he, he wrote one of the books that- From that, Evil Dead? Yeah, I think so. It was something that, it was it was under a, a, a pseudonym, but he's written a lot of esoteric books, does a lot of research. Um, and then he also, so there's two, two books that are nonfiction and two books that are fiction mm. in this series, and they're all called- um, uh, Secret Machines, Gods, Man are the two um, nonfiction books, and Secret Machines, Chasing Shadows, and A Fire Within are the are the fiction. But basically, he said, Tom DeLong said in all of his interviews that the fiction books are fact. They just change the names and the dates and the places, the people in there. But they're just trying to get the truth out in an easier, digestible manner, as opposed to just saying, "Ah, this is what's happening." Interesting. So, yeah, it's been interesting. It's interesting. So when I, you know, when I kind of went down there and he was kind of the reason I decided to make my podcast because before that, you know, honestly, you had a fear of men in black showing up or people from the government to grab you and throw you in a van and tell you to shut up or the ostracization, you know, people are just gonna say you're crazy, all these things like that. But when the New York times are in on the front page in 2018, I'm like, well now forget it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk to people and just do what I'm doing, like start my own podcast, you know? So let's go into that. Yeah. So you're in the fraternity, you're meeting yeah. all these brothers, all walks of life. Right. You know, you're not expecting anything out of masonry, but masonry has been on this journey with you as you started UFO on the level. Yeah. Yeah. I was having a, I was just trying to figure out how to wrap masonry in it, you know, in that. And, you know, just on the level is, is a great term that we use, you know, it's where um, we meet. Yeah. Right. And everybody's on the same field, like a level playing field. You know, there's so many different terms in masonry that made it to public that that nobody even knows that that's where it came from. You know. Yep. You're yep. saying you're saying UFO on the level. I'm saying all square. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. So, um, you know, it's been really cool. I mean, I've got to interview amazing masons brothers that you know um, that I got to meet uh, through the fraternity. Scott Walter. You know, Jimmy Paul Lamb, uh, Petey Newman, just to name a couple. And to have really amazing in-depth conversations with them that, because, and their, their research is all over the place. Scott Walter was, um, history, you know, American history on earth. Um, you know, PD Newman's whole, his books and, you know, his, his journey into, um, uh, esotropics, you know, psychedelics, that whole thing and the connection to masonry there. And of course, Jamie Paul Lamb's, you know, massive connections to all of those things <laughs> together. But you don't also interview Masons. You have some non-Masons on there as well, right? And how do they come about? Oh yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of non-Masons. I'm say the majority is probably they're not they're not Masons. But um, you know, the, a lot of it is just 
uh, finding the research, you know, people that, that really inspire me and that I want to learn more from, you know, um, to have the guests come on and, you know, basically I'll just reach out and say, Hey, you know, just, do you want to talk about this? You know, would you like to come on podcast? And yeah. It's, so it's great to just sit down and, you know, I don't plan anything out much like you, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a script. I don't, I don't write anything down. I usually have a bourbon sit down and just relax and hopefully at the end of it, have a friend, a new friend, you know? So that's, that's the coolest part. I've, I've met some really cool friends just, just doing the podcast. So. Right. And we, people from all walks of life as well. Like people that like normally wouldn't, you know, probably reach out to you. So it's great. That's awesome. With this fraternity, what is it? What is this brotherhood meant to you? Yeah, it's it's meant a lot. I think it's it's opened my eyes into a world that's always been present in front of me that I didn't have any idea about. So, some, you know, symbols, symbology, masonry is huge with symbology, right? So, there's been um, times where you know you just walk past. Uh, an object and, you know, just say, okay, whatever, that's a square, <laughs> you know, or, or that's the cornerstone of a building, but I don't know what that, you know, having to do with it, but just the connection to the internal workings, I guess, of myself to be able to be a better man, to be a better husband, father, you know, member of the community to help wherever, wherever I can. Those things have been amazing to me. Um, and, you know, the brotherhood, the fraternity, it's been great. Just the, the guys that meet like you, like everybody you. else, you know, you know, yeah. you're a mensch. <laughs> you know with this fraternity that's over 300 years old we always talk about you also had that interest in the hermetics and tell me a little about that journey and how you've been a part of that or who you've been a part of that with and like kind of like your your journey on that too because masonry is like a tree you're just climbing different branches <laughs> at times oh i want to go to the shrine branch and yeah. have a good time oh i want to go to Scottish Rite and check out these allegories to just reflect on. Yeah. So yeah. tell me a little bit about like, you know, that start that study into the hermetics. So, yeah, I mean, w when you look at masonry and you do research, like where did it come from? Where did it derive from? Right. And that's what everybody's, I mean, there's I mean, probably a, thousands of authors that have spent a billion years trying to research the, the roots or the core of masonry. Right. And you know, where it derived from. And a lot of it goes back to the hermetic principles, right? Um, Hermes Trismegistus. Say that three times faster. Right. right. Stop. He might appear. It's like Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the thrice, the thrice great Hermes Trismegistus. Right. Yep. Right. So as above, so below is the, you know, the axiom there that, um, that really has, a, I, I believe the core of, of a lot of the tenets of masonry, right? A lot of the things that are come out there, but then there's also a lot to be said for the Egyptian mystery schools, the, you know, everything else. I mean, we in, in the fraternity say that masonry is from time and memoriam. So b before recorded history, right? So what is that? So then you go back to what was the first recorded history? What, like, was it the Emerald Tablets? Was it before then? Was it, obviously it was pre-Egyptian, right? Was it, um, uh, you know, antediluvian? Was it before the flood, after the flood? What, I mean, what, you know, wh when did it come about? So you could take all of that research and look at those little nuggets of, you know, of the esoteric lore, and put it together. And, you know, uh, some have uh, theorized that masonry is basically a repository of the best parts of all the mystery to traditions throughout humanity and kind of congealed down into what it is today. But that's just a theory. I mean, it could be because it means something different to everybody. I mean, masonry to me means something than it does to you. Well, what does it mean to you for people to know who are looking for this fraternity? See, that's the thing. Everybody asks me, like, what, 
you know, what is it, what is it like to be a Mason? And honestly, you can't put into words the experience, the physical experience, spiritual, I mean, you can say spiritual, the phys- the experience you have when you go through the degrees, when you go through the ceremony of the degrees, right? It, for everybody is different. I've heard everybody explain it differently, right? And it's a very personal journey that you go on and what it does to you individually. So you can say you're going to have all these things, but you know, you may go through the not experience any of that, right? Or experience something completely different. So I honestly think it's a personal journey for each man that goes through the degrees to to feel what that is to you and how it resonates with you and and you know and what you do with with your your life afterwards, right? Which is amazing. What would you say to somebody who is looking for this fraternity or looking for something like this brotherhood? Um I would say ask. I would say reach out. I would say be, be more inquisitive. Like, don't believe all the things that you read on the internet. Don't believe that with the things you see in the movies or whatever. I mean, um, think about it in, in uh, you know, what you could what you could do to make yourself better. Like, if, if you're always looking for self-improvement, if you're always looking to research, to, to make things better around you, to help people, those in need, to, you know, faith, hope, and charity, those things. If those are tenants that resonate with you, then by all means, check it out. I mean, petition a lodge, go talk to somebody like uh, another brother. That's the biggest thing. If you, to be a Mason, ask a Mason, right? Reach out to one of us, ask us about it. Get interested. If, you, if you're serious about it, petition a lodge. Join, you know? Has there been somebody throughout this journey, and I bet there has many people, but has there been one person who's really had an influence on you into this? Oh, there's been a lot. You're right. There's been a lot. I mean, because every time you meet, it doesn't have to be one. It can be, oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, brother who's passed now, Tim Churchill was great. It was amazing. He, he was my, um, you know, candidate coach through, through all my degrees. Master craftsman, mentor. mentor, mentor. Yep. Helped me through all my degrees, helped me to understand, you know, the meanings behind all of them. You know, he was like a third generation Mason, like amazing guy, you know, a lifelong teacher, educator, just a really good, really good dude. Um, so that was great to have his, you know, to be under his stewardship through the whole thing, you know, to like basically hold my hand through the whole thing, help me, help me out. Um, That's the one thing is it, uh, about this fraternity, isn't it? Where you are so a part of this and you get to meet so many walks of life and just not just in, in other lodges, but especially in your lodge and to be a part of that and, Maybe you're like, oh, I'm going to go to this meeting this week and I'm not going to go next week. Ah, I got something that came up. I'm just going to stay home and I'll see those guys next week. But that preparation of saying goodbye to those brethren who are not there that next week because it's an older, a lot of older generation. I mean, the average age in Ohio is 65 and Mason really gives you that opportunity with death to say goodbye. Hmm one you know that final time and Mm -hmm. to truly cherish all these brethren because how dull would it be if everybody was the same yeah you know i mean when you bring you bring that up that was one of the that was one of the most profound things i think that that through my journey in masonry that um was being a part of the masonic funeral for the first time is one of one of the brothers died in our lives right how so well um so uh it was taken apart in the actual ceremony itself. So like you don't practice it, right? We, we haven't, we never practiced it. I mean, I don't know if, is it common? I don't think it's common, right? You just show up. <laughs> so, exactly. You just show up to the funeral and yeah. then the guys, certain guys do certain parts for the family and loved ones. Right. Exactly. So it was interesting to see the, um, amount of, 
uh, I don't want to say knowledge, but I think a lot of the things that the brothers do for the family during a Masonic funeral is um, some of the things that we don't necessarily say anywhere else publicly, right? At all. And it's for the benefit of the family, of course, right? Of course. Some of these things. And it's a, it's really a beautiful, it's a beautiful experience. I mean, family's grieving, all that stuff. It's sad, you know, it's upsetting. But as Masons, like you said, it's an interesting way to be there to say goodbye to your to your brother to know it's not the end. Like, you know, it's just this isn't the end. It's just, you know, see you later kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a transformation. It's a little death, just an illusion as you and I always like to talk about. And yeah, transitioning yeah. into that next phase of whatever it may be on the other side, that unknown. Right, right. But you live eternally with your brethren. Right, right. Which is great. I mean, that's why it, it was just such a moving experience, you know, to, to be that, to be part of that, you know. And, and actually, um, you know, one of my best friends ever, I, I didn't know until his father actually passed, he had moved to Florida and he was a, a Mason and a Shriner in Zenobia, our, you know, our shrine. I didn't know. And he said, you know, Hey, we're going to fly dad back. I found his apron. I'm like, wow. One of the coolest guys my entire life. And you know, my, one of my best friends lived next door neighbor's dad. Right. Didn't know he's a Mason, but looking back, it's like, well, yeah, he's a really great guy, you know, but he was like, well, we want to have a Masonic funeral. And it's like, okay. So, you know, I hooked up Isaac Demarest uh, reached out and was like, you know, there's a, uh, um, a lodge that gets together guys that are, you know, either traveling or Memorial know, Lodge. Memorial. It's a, yeah. Yeah. For people who are out of town or out of state that they need to have a service done. Yeah. yeah past yeah. masters get it together. Yeah. It was great. So they did that, but there were one guy short, right? And so they handed it to me and I had to actually have a part, which is one of the hardest things ever because it's like my best friend's grieving. His family's completely wrecked. I'm wrecked. But at the same time, I know, you know, what I know is amazing. It's just like, and then they just hand me a script and I'm like, man, and I'm reading these things that are so touching and upsetting to me. And it was like the connection was, was great. But that was one of the, like one of the, the best and worst times in masonry all at the same time was just being that upset, but at the same time, not. Nah. <laughs> yeah, but you did that. You yeah, did that. Yeah. And masonry makes you contemplate death. Memento mori. Remember you will die. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it's those moments where you see the guys walk up, two by two say be there for a minute say goodbye and it's just so touching because yeah. you know we lost another one in our in our family right 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 right, right. So. but i mean just the way that we take care of our, our own and yeah you know, our widows orphans stuff yeah. like that it's just an amazing 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 um fraternity and i and like you said i think if somebody's interested yeah ask i mean it might not be the right fit for you i mean honestly i've had friends after i became a mason i had a couple of friends reach out to me and say hey i want to be a mason and they're like okay went through the whole thing and this happened twice where they went through the first degree and they're like you know what i just this isn't for me and it's like okay you know you, you know you you tried you know you know that was it right and you're not into it that's fine that's completely fine too but you know, it's 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 okay to explore new things. You know, that's of course, what life's all about. Right? And sometimes, you one thing I would also stress besides ask is yeah. visit lodges. Right, of visit course. several lodges because one lodge, each lodge is different. You right. might find a lodge that you connect more with, and nothing's worse than when somebody goes to a lodge that's not a fit for them mm. because they're not focused on certain things or. You know, it doesn't spark your intrigue. Some lodges are older. Some lodges are younger. Some like more education. We've talked about this in past episodes. Right. Some have more fellowship. Some has a, has a balance of all of them. Right. You know, John. But I've, those things change though, Robbie. I want to point that out too. They change with the members as well, right? Absolutely. Right. So that, that lodge this year could be 
Different. one way and the next year another group of guys that are in leadership or, or taking charge of things can be completely different so it's not a static environment you're not going to say that lodge a is completely stoic and lodge b is are the you know the educational masters right and it's fluid i just want to point that out <laughs> yeah it ebbs and flows right. it ebbs and flows yeah, the leadership officer lines you can get somebody in there who could change the dynamics in that um we saw that at rubicon app Absolutely. Over in my lodge in Waterville. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Ask that question. Don't just bite on the first uh, lodge that you see. Um, look around and see what other lodges are available. Make your decision yourself. You know, John, I've known you for years. It's been that long. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we're getting old, my friend. I remember when you were darker hair. <laughs> you remember when, I, remember when I didn't have gray hair. Exactly. But... um. What's something you're focused on now? You're writing a book, I know, but yeah, I've been you- writing a book forever. I just get I I'll have moments of uh, just spit out a bunch of it and then stop, and then um, you know, and it's and it all ties with consciousness and and where my journey's led me with you know UFOs and and um, non-human intelligences, right? On you know non-corporal entities, things like that that we've throughout history people have talked spoken about through the bible through every every text that you can imagine you know these things have always been with us that have been here the jinn the whatever you want to call them and how that ties into everybody's everyday life how that ties into ufos how that ties in with consciousness masonry there's all these different ties so prayer i mean you, it, all these things fall in there so yeah that's kind of one of those things that you know I'll finish that one day um you know, the other thing is just the podcast, just getting other guests on. You were my first guest and I really appreciate I, it. I was your first guest, Charlatan in the Shadows. You know, we were talking about Aleister Crowley and the charlatan that he is. So that definitely got a lot of views. Yeah. When that first came out, um, just an honor. And I wanted to return oh, the favor. Thank you so much. No, you know, honor's mine. You and uh, some other Masons that I know really pushed me to start my podcast with yeah. Brother Mike Lou, who's in the control room. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, you're working on a book. The Checkout UFOs on the Level. John, what's something? What what else do you want to say before we go? Um, just keep keep an open mind. I think that's one of the great quotes, and I can't remember who 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 it's attributed to, but your mind is like a parachute. You know, works a lot better when it's open. (laughs) (laughs) So you gotta. Try to keep an open mind and and don't be afraid to change your opinion when you're presented with new evidence that contrary to what you believe, you know, it's one of the things where people get stuck in the staticness of, you know, this is the way it's always been, you know, or that's, that's not the way we did it, you know, and be open to change, be open to experiencing new things, open your mind, um, you know, look around you, look at around at the things you've always looked at every day, but try to look at them with a new eye and, and see, and I think the other thing is just be open, open your heart, have empathy for everything and, and your fellow man and for, for the world. And I think that's probably the, the best thing anybody can do. Well said. Well said. Check out UFOs on the level. That's John Majorowski. I'm R.L. Franks, and you are all square. <laughs>